Welcome to Torah Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Elisheva Kamenetsky, and today we will be studying Parshat Ha'azinu. Parshat Ha'azinu is different than any of the other parshiot we have encountered in Sefer Devarim. When one looks at inside at an actual Sefer Torah scroll, we recognize this immediately. Most of the parsha is written in an unusual two-column format, a poetic structure. In Parshat Ha'azinu, as Moshe approaches his death, he teaches B'nai Yisrael a song. In the words of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs at Sal, he moves from prose to poetry, from speech to music, from law to literature, from plain speech to vivid metaphor. Let's look at the opening psukim of the Parsha. Ha'azinu ha'shamayim va'adzabeira v'tishma ha'aretz imrufi. Listen, heavens, and I will speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Ya'arov kematar lichi, tizal katal imrasi, kisi'irim ale desha, ukarivivim ale esev. May my teaching fall like rain, my speech flow down like dew, like gentle rain on tender plants, like showers on the grass. What does Moshe te- choose to teach in song? Rabbi Sachs explains at the very end of his life, the greatest of all prophets turned to emotional intelligence, knowing that unless he did so, his teachings might enter the minds of Ben Israel, but not their hearts, their passions, their emotive DNA. It is feelings that move us to act, give us the energy to aspire, and fuel our ability to hand on our commitments to those who come after us. Rabbi Sachs continues, and I quote, Without the prophetic passion of an Amos, a Hosea, a Yeshayahu, a Yirmiyahu, without the music of Tehillim and the songs of the Levium in the Beit HaMikdash, Judaism would have been a plant without water or sunlight. It would have withered and died. Intellect alone does not inspire in us the passion to change the world. To do that, you have to take thought and turn it into song. That is Ha'azinu, Moshe's great hymn to God's love for his people and his role in ensuring the future. Now that we understand the unique style of the Parsha, let's examine the opening psukim more carefully and glean their important messages. In the song with which Moshe addresses the nation, he invites the people to think of the Torah as if it were like the rain that waters the ground so that it brings forth its produce. Let my teaching drop as rain, my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. Hashem's word is like rain in a dry land. It brings life. It makes things grow. There is much we can do on our own. We can certainly plant and plow the earth. But in the end, all of our success depends on something beyond our control. If no rain falls, there will be no harvest, no matter what we do to prepare for that harvest. So it is with all of us, B'nai Israel as a nation. As we have mentioned a few times as a theme throughout the Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, we must be careful to avoid coming to a place of feeling that all that we do is that all that we accomplish is by the power and strength of our own hands. Like rain, our success in life is dependent on God. 
Quoting from the Sifrei, Rabbi Sachs suggests another aspect of Torah that we can learn from the analogy to rain. Let my teachings drop as rain. Just as the rain is one thing, yet it falls on trees, enabling each to produce its own unique tasty fruit according to what that kind of tree is, and the vine in its own way, the olive tree in its way, and the date palm in its way. Like showers on new grass, just as showers fall upon plants and make them grow, some green, some red, some black, some white, so the words of Torah produce teachers, worthy individuals, sages, the righteous, and the pious. There is only one Torah, yet it has multiple effects. It gives rise to different kinds of teaching, different sorts of virtue. Torah is sometimes seen by its critics as overly prescriptive. Everybody needs to be the same. Those who observe the Torah and God's commands are like robots, each person functioning in a mechanical way. This medrash suggests otherwise. The Torah is compared to rain precisely to emphasize that its most important effect is to make each of us grow into what we could become. Each piece of vegetation in a field grows in its own unique way. Nothing grows quite like bamboo or vines. And yet, there are other pieces of vegetation that can take a very different route in terms of their path to growth. We are not all the same, nor does Torah seek our uniformity. Some seek God through intellectual study, some through chesed, some through prayer, others through song. All of these are aspects of Torah. Perhaps this idea is represented in the very structure of this parsha. Moshe changes it up in his speech to B'nai Yisrael in the last days before his death. Here he uses song. This idea is also represented in the concept that we have of Shivim Panim La Torah, the 70 faces of Torah. There are 70 different ways to look at any pasuk, any word of the Torah. If one were to look at a Mikraot Gedolot, a classic text of Torah with many different commentaries, one would find the literal and pshat emphasis of grammar of the commentary, the Ibn Ezra, the philosophical approach of the great commentator, the Ramban, and he would find on the very same page the approach and the commentary of the Or HaChayim that is appreciated by the Hasidic masters. Torah has so many different entry points, and the Torah Psukim, the text of our Torah, has an effect on people that allows them to express themselves in so many different ways. Torah is the rain that feeds this diversity, allowing each of us to become what only we can be. Why does Moshe Rabbeinu, the great teacher, choose to emphasize this point now? Perhaps because this has been his life's work. His entire career has been that of trying to respect the differences between human beings. He's had to navigate how to regulate society in a way that respects people's individuality while not creating chaos. A Torah society encourages this diversity 
like rain falls on a field and allows different types of vegetation to prosper. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz points out an Or HaChayim, which notes that it's not just how rain affects different things in different ways, but that each of us need different things from the Torah. We see this through the different words that are used here to describe the rain from the sky. Kisi'irim aleidesha, gentle rain on tender plants. Ukirivivim aleesev, drenching rain on fields of grass. We are not all the same. Some of us resemble tender plants, more fragile and vulnerable, and others are stronger like fields of grass. It's also true that not any of us are one of these things throughout our lives. We all have points in our lives where we sometimes feel more like the tender plants, and in other times, we have the strength of the strong grass in the field. The Orachayim, quoting a Medrash, teaches us that we will not be judged by standards that are far beyond our ability. We can sometimes look around at the world and feel that demands of Torah can be very daunting. We see great strong people making tremendous sacrifices. But the Torah understands that we cannot expect a tender plant to hold up to the stresses that a field of grass may be able to. In the opening words of the Parsha, Moshe informs B'nai Yisrael that the Torah provides nourishment to each person according to his or her level. Soft, gentle raindrops for budding plants. There are aspects of the Torah that are easier to learn, things that are easier to grasp for those people who are finding Torah learning to be beyond themselves at this particular time. And yet, there are other aspects of the Torah that are incredibly challenging, intellectually stimulating. People can spend hours and hours trying to best understand a topic in the Talmud. Those are the drenching rain for the fields of grass. The different types of rain symbolize that we will all be nourished by Torah differently and we will flourish at different rates and in different ways. This does not mean that we are not held to a standard but rather that the standard is the one that matches our potential. The very highest spiritual point that we are able to reach with our unique innate abilities. This Torah portion is read at the time of year of Yom HaKippurim, the Yom Hadin, Yom Kippur, the Day of Judgment. We must each do a Din V'Cheshven, literally a judgment and an accounting. This phrase comes from the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, in Ethics of Our Fathers, which teaches us that one day we will each have to give a din v'cheshbon, and therefore it is important that we know before whom we stand to give that judgment and reckoning. The Vilna Gon explains that the two different terms reflect different approaches to an accounting of one's actions. Din reflects a judgment of what a person did with his time. The mitzvot and the averot. Did you or didn't you do what you were supposed to do? Cheshbon is a reckoning of a higher standard. It's what a person would have accomplished with his or her time on this world as opposed to what he or she 
has actually done. It requires a calculation, a cheshbon. Here's what could have happened if you had used your time differently. Here are the missed opportunities of what you could have accomplished. It's not just what you did, but what you did in light of what you could have accomplished. Rav Pam points out that in this week's Parsha, Hashem suggests this concept of a din v'cheshbon, showing Moshe Rabbeinu what his unique standard was, what he is being held up against as he is on the last day of his life. We find this in chapter 32, verse 51. When he describes to Moshe Rabbeinu why he will not be moving forward into the land of Israel with the Jewish people, he suggests two reasons. One, you trespassed against me. That is the element of din. You sinned. You did not act accordingly. But additionally, too, you did not sanctify me. This is the element of cheshbon. You passed up the opportunity for making a kiddush Hashem, for sanctifying Hashem's name in the world. When we sin, there are often multiple aspects, not just the destruction that we've caused in the world, the destructive deed, but the lack of opportunity to be constructive and add more light onto the world. I'd like to share one more thought that relates to this concept of rain from Rav Aaron Lichtenstein. He points out that the Gemara in Tanis compares the Torah to four elements. In addition to water like rain, Torah is also compared to milk, honey, and wine. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein suggests that we can group these four elements into two categories. The first is the category of water and milk. As we've explained, water is essential to growth. It is essential to our survival. Milk is essential to a baby's survival. The other two elements, honey and wine, are non-essential items. They are luxury items. These are two perspectives that we need to have towards our precious Torah. Torah is essential for our existence. It's our oxygen. Without it, the Jewish people will cease to exist. And at the same time, Torah is a gift. Torah is something which enhances our lives tremendously, which brings us incredible nachas ruach, incredible, incredible spiritual joy, which allows us to appreciate aspects of the world. It's a gift that we are so lucky to have. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein suggests that this is why we have two birchot ha-Torah. There is the birchot ha-Torah la'asok b'divrei Torah. The bracha which tells us that Torah is something we must engage in every day, day in and day out. It's the details. It's the aspects of Torah that make our lives the nuts and bolts, so to say. It is the essential aspect of Torah that allows us to exist moment to moment. It is the things that we do din on, that we ask ourselves, did I do this correctly, this particular detail, in this particular way. And there is another aspect of Torah that we make a bracha on in the morning, 
Asher bachar banu mikol ha'amem. How blessed and lucky we are amongst all of the nations to be the recipients of God's precious Torah. The luxury of Torah that we feel, the aspects that we feel enhance our lives, where we ask ourselves, what am I capable of? What could I be doing more of? What cheshbon can I be making? What calculation can I be making to make this world a brighter place with more light? The lessons from the Parsha that we've learned is that it's taught in song and melody because we look to affect the heart, not just the mind. Number two, we've learned that we recognize that Torah is the source of our growth and success, like rain on plants. The power of Torah is that which can help each person develop in his own individual way. Number three, that we're each held to a different standard and may, we may receive different types of rain based on our growth potential to live to our own highest standard. And number four, that Torah is both essential for life, like milk and water, and luxury, like honey and wine. As the Navi Hoshea taught, May we take the lessons of Sefer Javarim and use them to bring us closer to Hashem and His Torah. Thank you for studying together with the OU Women's Initiative.